Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at richarddugan.com. We podcast these programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify. We've got a whole bunch of other locations that we hope that you will investigate. And as you are listening to the interview, especially on Spotify, you want to go to our guest's website. How do you get there? Well, you click on that little grocery cart. Boom, takes you right to our guest's website so that you can then follow up on all kinds of great stuff that is happening with our guest, the work that they're doing, uh, whether it be a book, seminar, CD, if, if they still put CDs out. I've still got a stack of blank ones that I'm still burning every once in a while. Uh, file exchanges and all those good things. Uh, but please investigate. Please follow up with our guest. We certainly hope that you will do that. And if you like what we're doing, if what we're doing here in 2020, the year of perfect vision resonates with you and you'd like to support the work that we are doing, we would love to uh, have you a part of what we're doing financially. Uh, we have a PayPal and Patreon account and we are grateful for those who have been supporting us for the last couple of years and those who are going to support us in the future. A hearty thank you, thank you, thank you. Grateful, humble thank you because it is uh, your support that helps to keep this program moving forward. However, I will never ever having worked in Christian radio for 15 years, hearing the sad sob stories that if you don't support this program, we're going to have to take it on the air. Never, ever will you hear that come from my lips. Uh, we will be here as long as we can be here. And um, I'm hoping that it's for another 40 years. Would that not be exciting? Can you imagine how many people we will have interviewed? Like our guest today, who is going to share with us a love story. Rio, a love story. It's how my dog saved my life. Yes, we've been doing a lot of programs on connections with animals. Gee, uh, it's partly because of the fact that, well, I'm an animal lover. Uh, we just uh, celebrated the holidays, Christmas, by taking our travel trailer uh, and going to Phoenix and Sedona, Arizona with Angus, our big black king shepherd. You might have seen us on the road. You never know. And he did amazing he was the perfect protection dog didn't hurt anybody he would uh, certainly bark and growl when he saw someone that should not be in our territory um but he was just i'm gonna say he's the perfect gentleman it was fantastic well we're gonna talk with our guest who is the author of rio how my dog saved my life Joni dark shepherd thank you so much for joining us on the program Thank you, Richard, for having me on your show. And welcome to 2020, A Year of Perfect Vision. This is, uh, this is a time uh, over the next 12 months that we are going to be focusing people uh, not on what's going on outside. No, 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 no. It's what's going on inside. It's We're talking about inner vision here. And there's something of a great connection between that and your book because... In this case, Rio, and and most all, I would say all animals, not most all, but all, uh, especially those who are in our lives, they have that inner vision. They know when we're hurting. They know when we're feeling good. They know when, you know, things aren't quite right. They're a little askew, and they know when to come around and help and support us. And in this case, with Rio, your dog... You say he saved your life. That, to me, speaks volumes um, 
of of the the connection that he had or has with you? Yes, um, he is a most wonderful dog, um, and he did save my life. Um, the story started basically with several tragedies in my life. My sister had brain cancer. It was had been misdiagnosed, actually, as multiple sclerosis, which she did have for many years. But she passed away after a, a long battle with cancer at the end of 2009, followed by my aunt, my dear aunt Jane, a couple months later, and then the dog that I had before Rio, um, Marley, another Belgian, Tavirin. And so I got on the phone with the breeder. My sister always said, when a dog passes away, get another one because they will get your attention off of things and move you forward. So I called the breeder and asked her if she had a puppy that would make me laugh. And she said, I have a dog for you. He's older. He's one year old, but you have to show him. And that was the first laugh that I had um, because I never showed anything before. So she gave me Rio as a gift, um, which I believe in a way was kind of a gift from my sister. Um, so I took lessons. I showed Rio. I learned the ropes of the confirmation ring. And it took me a year and a half. I got his championship for him. And we went on to Westminster. And he. we became such a team. Um, he's my soulmate. I consider him my total soulmate. He he diagnosed me. <laughs> um, I was so depressed after I lost, you know, my sister and my dog and my aunt. And um, at the time, I also became my mom's caregiver too. She was 91 and took in my sister's dog. So it was it was a very tough time. And I I don't like to admit it, but I probably was in some stage of a depression. And he, with his joyful personality, would be in my face every morning when I woke up, tail wagging, smiling, and asking me, well, where are we going today, mom? Where are we going today? He loves to go out. He loves to go to the shows and different trials. And um, he flirts with the other dogs and has such a grand time. <laughs> yeah. So he's been, I call him a little person with fur, a little angel with fur, a little elf. He's got a charming personality, but he did. He didn't save my life. He started me on that that road with the dog shows and led me into other dog sports. Um, and he's my dance partner. Now he <laughs> dances better than me. Actually, he has two left feet, but he dances better than me. So sweet. And we're also a certified therapy dog team. We go to a nursing home hospice and cheer up uh, people regularly. And um, he's taken me on this journey and I committed to writing this book and did it. Um, and, the doors keep opening. Um, he keeps leading me, you know, further and further and gave me back my confidence and gave me back my life. Hmm. Well, I, I have to tell you that <clears throat> when we get ready to go anywhere, even if it's just locally and take Angus with us, the moment I reach for his harness and leash, he goes nuts. And that's not necessarily a good thing every time. So we've been working with him to call him back into the living room, get him to sit, calm down just a little so I can put the harness on him. And then I let him run to the door. He's still going to jump and claw at it, which is fine, too. I can always paint the door. Not a big deal. Uh, but we've gotten to the point now where as long as the uh, back door to the truck is open, not the tailgate. I'm talking we have a, a super crew cab. As soon as, as long as that door is open, 
he will run to that door and at least get his front paws up in there. I have to help him up the rest of the way, which is okay. But he just loves to go for a ride. And I'm wondering if Rio is in sort of in the same way uh, to, uh, in terms of, um, I don't know, in terms of uh, what we're, you know, what we experience with these animals, it's like, they know you're going somewhere. They want they want a different environment, but they also want to be with you. There's that connection, right? They totally, yeah, they totally do. Um, Rio will follow me around the house. He watches my every move in the morning, and he hopes every day, hope springs eternal, that I'm not going to work and that I'm going to hang out with him and take him somewhere. And the ritual, basically, you know, once I get them fed, I have a rescue dog, Romeo, as well, a German shepherd. Um, Rio goes to the door without fail, looks at the door, looks at me, looks at the door, looks at me. Where are we going today, Mom? And if I tell him, Rio, I have to go to work today, he scrunches up his face, he sighs, and he walks away across the kitchen and flops down on his bed like, ah, there she goes again. Um, yeah, he loves to go everywhere. He loves to be with me. He follows me everywhere, you know, bathroom, <laughs> every <laughs> every place I go. He's, um, he's my shadow, my soulmate, and um, he's precious. You know, this is the first time that I've heard anybody refer to their animal, their their partner, their their uh, a non-human partner, as you as it were, as their soulmate, which sort of redefines that word, doesn't it? It does. Um, I'm finding that, well, with Rio, because I had to show him. We had to act like a team. We had to be a team. And we became very, very close. I became closer to him than any dog that I ever had. We had to kind of work. Well, we had to work very closely together. I had to try to read his mind. And he does the same with me. Um, and, and dogs, as you know, can provide different things that humans can't, I think. Um, even though they may try very hard, it doesn't always work. Um, dogs always have their unconditional love. Dogs are there when you get home, jumping up and down. <laughs> um, they've been waiting for you. Even if you leave for five minutes, they're so thrilled to see you again. Um, and, and they just bring such joy, always that joy, that happiness. Um, there's no no questioning, no doubt, no accusations, no hatred. It's always, you know, that they come up to you. It's like a fresh new day. They're just full of joy. You um, know, I had, I would say this was my very first dog uh, was, who was given to me by my ex-wife's best friend uh, at the time we were still married. And his name was Alfie and he was a Border Collie Chow Mix. Beautiful dog. God, I love that dog. And I remember then I was bicycling to work. And so I would open the gate. I'd tell him to stay. He would. I'd take the bike through, close the gate, and I'd get down the block, half a block or something. Oh, I forgot something. So I'd go back, open the gate. And I used to think it was because someone had told me that animals, dogs in particular, don't have any concept of time. Then doing these kinds of programs on the connection that animals have with us and we with them had nothing to do with time. It had to do with the connection. Like what you just described, it doesn't matter how much time goes by, it's the connection. And I found that so interesting. It's amazing um, that 
what they can provide to us, the joy, um, never-ending love, always that happiness and energy, um, 24 hours a day. And, you know, it, it's different from people. Um, and they offer things that are just magical. When I take Rio to a nursing home, for example, there's people that don't feel well and they'll you know, at first say, no, 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 I don't feel good today. I don't want to see Rio. And Rio has actually walked up to them, nudged them, and then they break out in a smile. Mm. And they say, Rio, Rio, you're the best medicine that there could be. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing. And you hear stories of the children who don't want to read. Um, they have difficulty reading, but there are therapy dogs that are used to assist the children. And just by being there and being able to pet the dogs, the children relax um, and are able to dive into the reading. And I've read recently that dogs are being used more and more um, for like therapy and service work at, you know, with the two frequent shootings that they have at the schools in different areas, they're bringing in dogs that are trained for therapy work. And the children that have experienced these horrific um, events that have withdrawn into themselves are being aided by the dogs. Mm. Um, they they communicate with the animals. There's something about the animals. Animals are not judgmental. They're not critical. They're they're just pure love, mm. just pure love. And people identify with that. Mm. Uh, it's to me an amazing thing. It truly is that um, these kinds of things happen in our lives. And it is said that animals, and again, regardless of what animal it is, a dog, a cat, I saw a guy, uh, you, saw, I'm, you probably saw this news story about this one guy who was taking his possum with him, his, his pet possum. I'm sorry, I'm incorrect. His pet opossum. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the plane with him. Wow. And they said no problem when he set the reservations. But when he got to the airport, when he was coming home, he flew there with no problem. Coming home, oh, I'm sorry, sir, you're going to have to, you, your possum is going to, can't fly. So, well, I'm not leaving my possum here. So he ended up taking another flight on another airline. But um, that's something that is so interesting that people, they, they want to make their animal a service animal of sorts in terms of, you know, I mean, my, that's how my wife feels. I mean, not only is, is Angus her protector, and he's a hundred and probably between 110 and 20 pounds. Wow. Uh, he's a big black king shepherd, but he's got a lot of the shepherd tan in his paws and legs. Uh, and um, I'm sitting here going, well, you do realize that in order to get something like that legally <laughs> he's going to have to go through a training program which i don't think he's going to put up with but i think it's fascinating to me to uh, to experience these kinds of things it's just to me just astounding how this all works uh in terms of having these animals in our lives let me ask you about your your personal philosophy not not specifically towards animals but uh, towards life, living, the hereafter, and so forth. What what philosophy uh, did you grow up with, and where are you today? Wow, um, I was brought up Catholic. I was in a very you know love, big, a very large, big, um, big family. We'd have 
holiday celebrations with probably about 50 or more people. And it was, it was wonderful. And then, you know, life evolves and, um, things changed, um, you know, between working and just the environment and getting too involved in the news and, and then life happened as I described to you. Um, I've become very spiritual in ways that I wasn't before, um, very in tune to, um, everything around me more so very in tune to living in the moment more than ever and having more confidence and trust in the spirits that be the universe that is, Mm -hmm. um, in a more comfortable, I just feel that especially having written this book and going through that process, it's like, I, I feel that there are spirits that be, and it could be that of my sister, my mom, um, and others that are overlooking, are looking over me and guiding me where I'm supposed to be. I know it sounds a little crazy. I mean, I have to work hard to get there, but I have more trust in life and, and truly do enjoy every moment. I don't get as upset as I was before. I am working on finding true joy within me. Um, happiness, I believe must come from within. We can't rely on happiness coming from anyone else. Um, although I do get all this joy, you know, from Rio and he's such a huge part of my life. But I think that if we work on it, we can shut down a lot of the negativity that exists in this world today. Um, I'm not saying to ignore it or, or not do anything about it. We must do what's right and, you know, speak out and vote and, um, fight for what's, what's right in life, what matters. But as far as being upset about it, I, have been a lot calmer, a lot more, um, satisfied and more clear thinking, I believe. And that's kind of, um, looking, I've been looking forward to the year 2020 and I laughed when I thought about it because 2020 vision, I, tell myself, I hope that I have much clearer 2020 vision for my life and the path that I am destined to be on that I do have a say in, you know, it's not that I don't believe that I'm totally under the control of a spirit or something like that. I think I have to play my role and I make my decisions and everything, but I, I, this year, I am determined that 2020, I will have clearer vision for so many things in my life, uh, personal, spiritual, relationships, um, career, and I'm headed on that path, and I just feel so more determined, more confident. Mm. Well, I know that everybody is trying to find their way, I and mean, that's really the best way to put it. They really are. Uh, I have to say that on our trip uh, back in December uh, uh, to Phoenix and to Sedona, um, my wife still has this one app that gives her hourly updates on certain events that she, I guess, has chosen to to have her updated on in, in terms of the news. I used to have a bunch of news apps on my phone. And, uh, 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 you know, after I think it was March or April of 2017... I deleted them all. I got rid of them. I uninstalled them off of all of the computers and tablets and phones that I have. Unfortunately, I only have one of each. Thank you. 
<laughs> but uh, I said, I'm, I, I don't care what's going on elsewhere. I only care what's going on here. Now, people might think, oh, gee, then you're making yourself ignorant. No, I'm not. Because I know that man's inhumanity to man has, will continue on whether I'm observing it or not. You know, until a time comes when we can stop playing this silly game, in my opinion, and start thriving. Uh, you know, that, that's what we're doing now. And these animals, they don't have that experience of survival versus thrival. You know, and I've kind of coined that phrase, uh, thrival. Um, th that's, that's not what they go through. They don't live from paycheck to paycheck. Not, not the way we do it. Uh, animals in the wild, for example, and I'm just, uh, you know, curious as to your experiences, uh, Joni, of um, watching and observing even animals in the wild and the way that in which they interact and the way that they live their lives. I mean, don't you look at uh, documentaries of, say, animals on, say, the Serengeti <laughs> and you see a lion going after a gazelle or something and. And it takes it down and then starts, you know, kill, goes for the kill and then eats it. And we go, oh, that's so sad. But that's life. That's not survival. That just is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I do. And yes, I'm one of those who close my eyes or change the station when, when, the, when the lion's going for an animal. Right. But that is, that is life. Um, you know, the, the strongest survive and everyone needs to eat. Everyone needs to, you know, survive. And that's the way it goes. But I love nature and, and just to talk about nature for a little bit, nature is totally amazing. And, um, I work in the environmental field and try to do what I can to, um, fight for the environment, clean it up and preserve endangered species. Um, but just to be out in nature is so important for everybody, really, um, whether they know it or not, because mm -hmm. it's said it, it's sedating. It's it's it could be like a religious experience for some. It could be meditation for others. It relaxes people um, taking a walk through the woods or being at the beach and just sitting by the ocean and hearing, you know, the seagulls call and the, the waves crashing. And um, it, to me, it's relaxing. Moments like that help me clarify my life and, and so forth. But um, nature is also fantastic. I mean, so many people think that we're not a part of nature. It's always been the battle of controlling nature and man against, you know, man against humans against nature. Um, and to a point, you know, we need to survive. Yes, we built houses. We don't usually sleep outside anymore mm -hmm. um, because it's warmer inside and, you know, we're protected and so forth. But we're still part of nature. And there are those interactions. I mean, I have interacted with nature. I believe, you know, each critter, each each species in a way may have their own spirits about them. A lot of people believe that. A lot of religions believe that. Um, I've had animals interact with me that people are surprised at. I've had a young deer come up to me thinking that I was someone to play with and was acting like a dog, mm. jump, <laughs> kind of jumping up and down and playing with its paws towards me. And then its mom 
made a noise, cried out and said, hey, get over here, <laughs> wake up, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But I was totally touched by that. That was an amazing experience. I've had birds land on my hand. I put seeds, bird seeds on my hand and they've landed on my hand and they're pretty much weightless, which is pretty amazing. But just to have that simple little interaction, um, a chipmunk, same thing, a chipmunk with the peanut. I had a peanuts and they come up and um, there's something about nature and I like being closer to it and um, being in it. And I like to meditate in nature, whether it be in the morning when the sun's rising or um, evenings when the stars are out. When I was a little girl, I was so in tune to nature. My parents didn't have a lot of money. And so that's pretty much how they entertained us children by taking us out to the beach, taking us for walks in the woods um, through the neighbor's field where there's plenty of flowers, um, identifying birds. And we learned all the constellations in the sky. I mean, that was our entertainment. And I still go back to that. And it's just beautiful. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. People have gotten too far away from enjoying nature oftentimes. Well, there's no question that we found ways to disconnect. <laughs> there's no question about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> especially with the I'm going to say that maybe for uh, 2019 or 2020, that the uh, the one word that probably will will uh, become a verb, it's been a noun, but now it will become a verb, and that's the word screen. Uh, and and uh, we have all these screens that, that we need to unscreen ourselves, if you will, that kind of thing. That's part of the disconnect from nature. Uh, one of the comments I remember hearing from. Uh, uh, from someone uh, is is the disconnect that someone has they're out in nature but what are they doing they're taking pictures with their phone or their tablet or what have you and they're missing they're taking videos and they're they're not even watching really they're not really experiencing what they're taking a video of because they're too busy taking a video of it I, the same comment was made when people go to concerts for example and they want to take a video of the concert. For what purpose? Other than uh, memory, I guess. Uh, it's not going to be that great, no matter how good your phone is. But I think that's part of the disconnect. And animals, they don't have screens. <laughs> they, they don't. Does, does uh, Rio uh, help to remind you of, of, uh, of how much screen time uh, you might have? And <laughs> <laughs> He does. He does. Actually, right now I'm sitting by my computer, but um, I turned away from it and my foot is on Rio. <laughs> He's <laughs> laying down. And um, yeah, when I was writing my book, I had to put a lot of time in editing. I'd come home from my full time job and pretty much have a second full time job and, you know, editing and writing. And Rio would, after a little bit of time, lose his patience, I guess, and come over and say, Ma, it's time to go for a walk. It's time to feed me. <laughs> I'm hungry. It's time for you to give me a belly rub. Um, yeah, he has no screens. He keeps me in the now, much more the now moments. Um, I enjoy life much more having been with him and get off the computer as much as possible. I mean, every morning I'm out there, I try to, you know, get the morning walk in, weather permitting, and take him places and you know, any place I go that I can take him, he comes with me. It's he's such a such a good buddy. Mm. Um, 
The book is entitled Rio, A Love Story, How My Dog Saved My Life. Joni Dark Shepherd is my guest. And um, that's rather interesting uh, uh, that, that <laughs> your last name happens to also be the breed of a dog. Um, what is your uh, what is uh, 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 Rio's breed? He's a Belgian Cherverin. He's one of the sheepdogs, and he's one of the Belgian uh, shepherds. People are probably most familiar with the Malinois that were on the teams, the, the military teams that found Osama bin Laden, mm-hmm. and more lately, Baghdadi. Um, that dog is a Malinois, a Belgian Malinois, who is pretty much like Rio's cousin, but a much more driven and, yeah, a much more driven dog. Um, to do the military work, the police work, and they have shorter fur, so they're much easier to maintain. Rio's breed also has been used for military work, historically, police work. Um, however, Rio is an exception to the breed. Um, I've had judges in the confirmation ring say they don't make them like this too often because Rio is so friendly and so sweet. I mean, he will protect, he will bark, um, and so forth, but, um, if he meets another Belgian, especially the ladies, his tail is wagging. He's such a gentleman, um, so sweet, such a great spirit. I it, to me, it's 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 really extraordinary. Uh, as I said, uh, um, my wife is very much. She and her ex husband had four Siberian Huskies, and they actually ran them as a dog team. And I got to meet them, uh, obviously, uh, uh, about twenty twenty two years ago. <laughs> I had to think about what year it was. 22 years ago, I met them and they were a family and you had the father, the mother and the two kids from that father and mother. And uh, maybe about 12, uh, 14 years ago, somewhere, somewhere, yeah, 14, 15, 16 years ago, we started to have to let them go. And the father went first. And I still remember... When we uh, when uh, uh, she had to let him go, she asked me if her ex could be there. Uh, and I said, that's fine. And, and of course, I was not. And she shared with me this story that as they were getting ready to let him uh, transition, he actually grabbed her arm with his mouth, basically is to say, I don't want to go. Aww. And uh, but he was you know, he was just too far gone at that point. And then, of course, uh, his mother, uh, then then the mother, uh, we had to let her go the year, the next year. So it was like three years in a row. We had to let one of them go. And uh, then, of course, the third year was one of his sisters, one of the sisters and the youngest, but the largest of the four. His name was chemo. I've never seen an animal grieve. I, I until then. I mean, it was just. It was unbelievable. Matter of fact, my wife got a call, my present wife, she got a call from one of the neighbors during the day saying, your dog is just, you know, they they weren't complaining. They were just saying, look, your dog is just howling and carrying on. Uh, You know, I just wanted to let you know. That's when, and you talk about the universe, you talk about nature. In my case, I I like to refer to the universe as a great synchronistic uh, um, process. Um, she, um, uh, uh, we, 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 uh, uh, we were living across the street from this house 
in which a dear friend of ours lived, lost the lease. He came to live with us for um, a period of time. Well, prior to that, this woman was living there, and she uh, worked for the Humane Society, and she was caring for a white shepherd. We believe it was a shepherd-Siberian mix. It was all white with a pink nose. I can't remember the name that she had for it. I, we ended up calling her Makushla, which in Gaelic is my beloved. And we brought Kimo and Makushla together in the middle of the street, which was neutral territory. And she became, a, became his caregiver for the next few years. And we brought him to Santa Barbara, where we think he got an extra year of life getting out of the summer heat of Phoenix. And she was there when he passed. Then we got we had another dog also at the time. His name was Connor. And he was a, uh, uh, I think it was a shepherd chow mix. Looked more chow than shepherd, but he, he passed and she was there with him. And then we got Angus, who at eight weeks, and she raised him. And then wow. we, we had to let her go uh, about almost a year and a half ago, October of 2018. And that was hard. But I want to talk to you about that because I know you don't sit and consciously think about it all the time. Angus is a big dog. Big dogs do not usually have the longevity of smaller dogs, midsize and smaller breeds. So when he turned seven, I was not allowed to do the math. She says, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Okay. Um, But he's seven. Uh, and he still he still plays like a puppy, but um, what about that part of the equation? I mean, when my first wife came down the gangplank with her guide dog, now my wife was totally blind. I said, "I'm not getting close to this dog. I'm not getting friendly with it. I'm not going to have any kind of relationship with it because I know what's going to happen in about eight to ten years, and I don't want to go through that." Well, you and I both know that didn't happen. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. That does not happen. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that, which is the shortest part of the, the process of having this dear friend with us, this companion partner, a soulmate, if you will. But it's probably the most difficult. It is. Um, people say that the only fault a dog has is that it doesn't live long enough. Um I've always fallen apart (laughs) whenever my dogs pass away. My first dog was a black lab who stole my heart. And, and when he passed, I couldn't go to work for days. (laughs) It was, my boss just said, stay home, (laughs) take care of what you need to do. Um, I hope that now that I've gotten older and been through, you know, more in life that um, things are easier. I know while Rio is, the dog I've been closest to. So it's going to, as I say in my book, steal a part of my heart, literally take a part of my heart away. And that causes so much of the pain. But I think one thing that I've learned too, is that, and I don't, I don't know how well it's going to work when something does happen to him, but I'm trying to think that we are all spirits and we're lucky to have these dogs, these spirits with us. And the same thing with people. Um, for as long as they are with us. And at some point they have to go on somewhere else, um, wherever that might be. And so I am trying to, whenever I lose someone now in my life, I try to 
look at the bright side of things and the happy memories that we had and say that I was gifted, that I was blessed to just have them for whatever amount of time that was, um, long or short. Um, and, you know, with Rio, I mean, I think so much of him. Obviously, I wrote the book, and that's that's um, a tribute to him. I wanted to do that while he was alive, so it would be a happy story. Um, but it's going to be tough. It'll be tough losing him, and I will probably go out and get a puppy um, mm-hmm. to distract me. Distractions work with me. <laughs> a lot of people don't like to do that. They like to, you know, do the honor of mourning and, and I'll mourn. I will cry. I'll probably cry every day. I'll miss him because he's brought so much joy and he's just such a huge spirit in my life, but I will get it, go out and get another pup. And, um, it, you know, no pup is the same as the one that you've gotten before. They're all so different and I'm sure I'll be on a different journey, but I put more trust in life now and, you know, Rio will be here as long as Rio will be here. Um, for me, there's a reason for things. And, um, I'll try to try to be uplifting and celebrate his life. Yeah, and I know that's a phrase that has has uh, uh, been used now more over the last few decades instead of uh, memories. Let's let's think about the memories. You know, let's remember this person. Now it's let's celebrate their life. Uh, and I have to say that brings up the the memory of a dear friend of mine who passed last March, uh, 2019, uh, dear friend of mine, uh, human, <laughs> named Ramona, who. Uh, we communicated a lot. Uh, uh, you know, it just worked out really well for us and um, uh, having ha- having the friendship that we had. Uh, and every so often I, I think about something and I'm thinking, I should give her a call. Oh, wait a minute. I can't. <laughs> At least not in the same yeah. way as, as I yeah. did. <laughs> as I did. Tell me how you met Rio. I met Rio after after Marley passed away, and I had called the breeder and asked if she had um, a puppy that would make me laugh. And, and she said that she had Rio, a one-year-old, but I had to show him. And I actually met him at a local dog show, an American Kennel Club dog show. Kate and Jeff brought Rio there. And Rio was one-year-old then, very active, as all Belgians are. And he was so excited to be at the show. He loved to see the other dogs and was so, so amazed by them. He was just watching all the, the girls go by. And that that's how we actually met. Um, and the story began. We're talking with, uh, we're talking with uh, Joni uh, Dark Shepherd. She's the author of Rio, A Love Story, How My Dog Saved My Life. And I have to, I, I, I love the photographs in this book. Um, I'm sure that there are certain faces that you will always remember, not only, I mean, especially after he's gone, but even today, I'm sure that uh, as you look at him, there are certain faces that uh, he makes. I, I, <laughs> I think about Angus, and anytime I mimic the sounds that he makes, and when he was a puppy, he sounded like more like a monkey. You know, when he makes, you know, kind of stuff. So now when I make those sounds, he looks at Cox's head to one side, then Cox's head to the other side, and then back to the other way. Uh, sometimes when we're in bed and he'll jump up on the bed and sleep with us. You're ta- Again, we're talking about a 110 to 20 pound dog. And we have to get in position. If we have to move him, he growls. 
as if he's going to attack. <laughs> we know he's not. He's just like, what are you moving? Me? Stop moving me. Leave me. I was fine where I was. You know, uh, very, very talkative. Is is Rio uh, talkative in that respect? Rio communicates very well um, with his eyes, with his mouth. He smiles, his tail wags. Like I mentioned earlier, if he's not happy that I'm going to work, he'll he'll sigh and scrunch his face and show his emotions. But he has talked. Um, when he wants something, he will, well, he will make different noises. Some of them, like little, cute little whiny moany noises um if i rub his belly a certain way he'll he'll sigh um but one of the things that really got to me was um in the book i write about this we had been on vacation in southeast asia and had boarded rio and romeo our 120 pound german shepherd um at a training farm where we were taking sheep herding lessons at the time and uh we were going to be gone for over two weeks so i wanted them to have fun and run around and I thought, what more fun could it be for two herding dogs to herd sheep, run around at their will on an 80-acre farm, and, and so forth? Well, Romeo didn't buy into that. He's a rescue dog, and he only wanted to be with us, we found out. He didn't want to be anywhere else. He busted through two fences and escaped, like hmm. five days into the trip. Yeah, yeah. He's, and he was so smart. He was trying to get home. He actually went 10 miles towards our house. Um, and hunkered down in a cornfield. But as soon as we discovered this, the folks that they were staying with did not want to tell me that he ran away because they knew that I would come right back. <laughs> and I, I deduced that from like the emails back and forth and um, that something was up with Romeo because they weren't really addressing him too much. And so I called and as soon as I found out that he had run away, that was the end of the trip. It was like, okay, tour guide, we have to, we have to get home. Um, so when we got to the farm that next morning, it was actually two days later, it took like two days to get home. We got to the farm and I walked into the house. Rio saw me and recognized me and ran over. And then he started to talk like, like on, Char on the Charlie Brown show, the wah, 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 oh, wah, yeah. wah, wah. <laughs> And he'd never done that before. He jumped up on me. He's looking at me like so tense and saying, I could hear it. Like, Romeo ran away. We have to go now. We have to go find him. He needs help. You know, it was like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and he did that for like a minute or two. And he's done that a, a couple times since. But that was the first time he did that, really trying to talk. So he, he communicates well in his ways, and um, that was one of the most interesting ones. Is it your observation and experience that Romeo and other dogs and or animals understand what we're saying? And how is it that they understand? I think they understand a lot of what we're saying um dogs are very smart and they do learn a lot of words first off um there's a book called chaser about a border collie who had learned thousands of words um the dog was owned by a pro college professor who decided to write a book about his dog to do like a, a study scientific study about the intelligence of dogs. And he elevated, um, the knowledge 
that we now have of how smart they are. But he taught the dog so many, so many items, like different toys, different items, um, and the verbs to go along with that, like go get this toy, go get that toy. And the dog could differentiate between dozens of different toys. But, um, that's on one level, the words, but also the tone of the voice, the expressions of our face. They understand more than we give them credit for. (laughs) They just have learned it, I guess, historically through the years. Um, Rio knows when I'm sad. Rio knows. Yeah, I don't have to say a word. He, he'll come over and he'll nudge me and look at me with his little brown eyes. Um, they know, they seem to know what's good for us. Like, okay, it's time to go, you know, go for a walk, get up, get away from that computer. Um, we do things like if, if I want to take them for a walk, I try not to tell them that because then they get so excited about it. But they know the routines. If I just pick up one thing, they, they just know that they're going somewhere or they're going for a car ride. It could be the purse. My purse goes in a certain place or my car keys go in a certain place at a certain time. And they're very intuitive. They're very smart. They remember things um, probably more than most people give them credit for. That is the one thing that I have found so interesting about having the myriad of animals that we have had um, since um, since my first wife and her guide dogs, of which she had to, two while I was with her. But then uh, with my second wife and present wife, uh, we've had cats and dogs and we have chickens currently. We had a tortoise and a blue tongued skank who really does have a blue tongue. I call it a, I call it a snake with legs. <laughs> Um, and we have also had on the property where we live and have lived for almost 14 years, we had a herd or a flock, I should say a flock of turkeys as well as, um, we've had a bear on the property. We've had, we have a family of deer and all that good stuff. And it's just, it's just remarkable. I want to tell our listeners, first of all, uh, the book is entitled Rio, a love story, how my dog saved my life. Uh, Joni Dark Shepherd is my guest. Her website for those of you who are wanting to get more information, go to joni.allauthors.com. Joni.allauthors.com. We're going to continue our conversation with Joni Dark Shepherd, talking more about Rio and experiences with animals right after this here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Stay tuned. And welcome back to Tell Me Your Story with Joni Dark Shepherd, uh, talking about her beloved uh, Rio. And um, you were sharing with us earlier about how you met Rio. And uh, even that in and of itself is an extraordinary story as to how we how these animals find us. Um, They have this built. The best way I can put it is they have this built in GPS, don't they? They certainly do. Um, Rio is very special and came along at the right time for me. with his joy and, you know, abilities for the, for the show ring and getting me out, taking me out of my depression, literally by getting me out, meeting new people, um, going to new places on the East coast. (laughs) Um, I would drive sometimes three hours to a, to a trial or dog show and meeting so many wonderful people. And he's taken me on this fantastic journey through writing the book 
um, the nursing home experiences as a therapy dog team. As I mentioned, he's my dance partner, my soulmate. And now I'm on this journey of promoting my book. And I'm so lucky to have met you and be on your show as well. And, and he's the, I'm sorry, say that again. He's the, he, he was the perfect dog for me at the perfect time. And that always seems to be the way, isn't it? That they, they come into our lives when we need them. I remember after Makushla's passing, um, my wife wanted me right away to get another, get a puppy. And I said, no, I, I want, you know, first of all, when uh, Angus was being raised by Makushla, we got the impression that he wanted to be a solitary dog. He wanted to be the king. Um, so I'm curious as to Rio, is he, is he good with other animals? He's wonderful with other animals, more so than most, most dogs that I know. Um, he has a special personality. Like a, I, I say sometimes like a special aura about him. He is friendly with other dogs. He loves the female dogs, but it goes beyond the dog species. I take him places, for example, to a training farm. Um, where they have sheep and there's a camel there as well. And you'll see pictures of this in the book of Rio nose to nose with the camel. Normally camels aren't so friendly. This one is socialized, but a lot of dogs would just bark at this huge creature. Um, Rio just looked and started wagging his tail, walked up to him and there they are nose to nose. And I was lucky to have my camera ready. Um, Other times we've been at a different training facility and I was warned about one of three horses who is not friendly and will sometimes snip at people. And Rio went up to the fence, tail wagging. The two friendly dogs, uh, I'm sorry, the two friendly horses came up and he was sniffing them and give, blowing little kisses at them. And then the third horse came up and it was the same thing. Rio and the horse got along fine. He's gotten along with bunny rabbits. Um, we went to a place where they had a bunny rabbit in a crate and the rabbit saw Rio at first and turned around and ran, thinking like, oh, my goodness, this dog is going to get me. But then he, I could see on this rabbit's face this look. It was like, oh, no, it's Rio. And he turns around and he scampers back out. And Rio and the rabbit are like nose to nose. And there's a photo of that in the book. Um, the only critter so far that hasn't warmed up to Rio are cats. Uh... <laughs> I've taken... I've taken Rio to like PetSmart and Petco when they have adoption day and they often have cats in, in a crate and Rio goes up oftentimes tail wagging like, hi, I'm Rio. And the cats do their cat thing where they hiss, lunge at the the, the side of the crate. And it's funny because Rio will look at me and just give me this look like, ma, what's with that? <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> what's wrong with that cat? Um, but he's, he's very gentle-natured, very sweet. And as I mentioned, like in the nursing home, he has an amazing skill with, with people. He seems to know which people need the most love um, that day. We'll give, go up to them and give them kisses and be very gentle and sweet with them. What do you think about that in terms of the, uh, the, the, the ability of, uh, in this case, dogs, to go into a hospital and th- they actually have cancer so to speak, cancer-sniffing dogs. That's the only way I can put that. They're dogs that obviously can detect, because of the, the odor, I guess, that a person has a form, some form of cancer. Uh, and I know there are other conditions, I'm sure, too, that, that uh, dogs 
can can you know sniff out so to speak right definitely dogs have the ability to sense different scents their sense of smell is thousands and thousands of times uh, better than humans and as you can see that from the dogs like the bloodhounds and the shepherds and the labs and there's so many dogs that are so good at this they use them for finding missing people um they use them at the airports for finding drugs or possibly explosives. Um, they're used all over. And, and a lot of times now people are using or taking their dogs rather to training classes and teaching them sports called nose work or tracking um, where the dogs will, with nose work, find different scents that have been hidden on a let's say a q-tip has been dipped inside like a birch oil and it's hidden in a huge room or actually like a warehouse if the dogs are really advanced and the dogs will find it sometimes in a matter of like a minute or two it, it's absolutely amazing and then with the tracking um that's also a competitive sport but people do it for fun um someone will walk the course and it could be in various shapes and across various places it could be across roads or across um, fields and a dog will then be introduced to the scent of something that person or whatever item that person had carried with them and the dogs will actually track it and be able to follow it like they do like i've seen on tv like looking for a missing person a police dog can do that um they're just amazing with their sense of smell, their abilities to do so. And they do that medically with cancer. They're also, there's certain dogs that um, reportedly are able to smell a change in someone's um, scent mm -hmm. that occurs before they have a seizure or before their blood pressure may drop, their blood sugar may drop so much. The dogs can sense that they can smell that there's something different in I believe sometimes people call it volatile, the VOCs, the volatile organic compounds. Um, there's a scent that changes. Mm -hmm. So their noses are simply amazing, their abilities. And, and dogs have so many other abilities too. Um, I'll just throw this in. A lot of people often look down on dogs. Oh, it's only a dog. But I look at them and I'm like, wow, <laughs> they could do so many things that we can't, that we can't do. Um, and well, so we so many animals do. And there's another attribute that dogs in particular, but obviously many animals um, bring with them. And, and you use the, you know, you talked about the nursing home. Um, I have been reading because I've been diagnosed uh, since I moved to California. Maybe that's part of the problem. I need to move out of California <laughs> with, with high blood pressure. <clears throat> and you mentioned uh, the, you know, that aspect too. Um, but that it is said that, um, those who have pets, um, have, have extended their life uh, possibly by, um, a, a few years, I don't know, five or 10 years, what, I don't know what the statistics are exactly. Uh, but also they will help you with your blood pressure. And I know sometimes there have been, there have been moments Early on in pet owning, for me, uh, when actually they raised my blood pressure, I think, <laughs> until I got to this place. And I'm curious about your perspective on this. Until I got to the place where I finally realized it is not my job as the quote-unquote owner 
to get the animal to behave the way I want, it is my responsibility to understand why the animal behaved the way that it did or does. I was sharing with uh, someone about Angus and how uh, we haven't done it a lot lately, but we're going to do it as the weather warms up a little bit. Uh, he lo- he uh, loves to carry around in his mouth uh, a soccer ball, a slightly deflated soccer ball, and then chase tennis balls. Now, we finally gotten into a game where he will carry a tennis ball in his mouth and knows the soccer ball to me and I'll kick it and he'll go after it. And it has been said that animals and dogs in particular have to have a job, right? And I was sharing this whole thing with someone who I said, oh yeah, that's his job. She says, no, that is not his job. His job is to get you outside to exercise. (laughs) (laughs) and i hadn't thought of it that way what's your perspective on say rio's quote unquote job Uh, uh, oh my um yes um dogs do need and do want to be active and they want to do things with their owners um the belgians i'll make one footnote here the belgians are a breed that will find a job if you don't give them one if you don't offer them enough activities to do they'll be active and do things that you may not like <laughs> um so it's good to keep active with them but it's true they they keep us active um they help us health wise in many ways blood pressure um get just loving them. I mean, just adoring them has to lower people's blood pressure. People have done studies, um, in, in, um, universities and the medical world about, about, um, the blood pressure impacts when someone in a hospital is introduced to a dog and usually people they just brighten up and have a big smile on their face and these are usually the people who have had pets previously in their life and really miss them they see the dog and you know they're just so happy and so ecstatic and um that's what these dogs do to pet owners every day they they just make them happy keep them out they they take them mate i'm sorry they make people um take them for walks they they encourage us to get out and move around. So I think that they help people be active and exercise um, and do things that they normally wouldn't do if they didn't have a dog. They get out and they go for that hour walk every day. They get out and do dog training and throw frisbees and throw balls and, and go on bike rides with their, you know, their dog running alongside um, things that they probably wouldn't do if they didn't have a pet. So that contributes to, a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that that uh, one of the things that may sound a little strange to some people, but it works for us, and I think that's what you have to do. You're going to hear a lot of training techniques from a lot of people. You're going to watch a lot of programs about training techniques and the way you should uh, treat your dog. You don't let them sleep on the bed. You don't treat them like a child or a human, a human child. They're a dog, and da 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 da, and then and then that goes on and on. And I think that you have to find what works for you. Now, Angus, he wants to be king. 
Maybe we chose the wrong name. Should have been Arthur or George or something. <laughs> but <laughs> he um, he is an indoor dog now. Now, when he and Makushla were together before her passing, the two of them were outside in our backyard, safe in our backyard, uh, throughout the day when we were at work. And then we'd bring them in and so forth. And now Angus, for example, he's in the house right now as we speak because... That's where he lives now. We, we feel it's safer for him, but he's also the protector of the property. And so he can go out on the porch, which is screened in, and he can bark at whatever's in the neighborhood. I don't know that anybody who would, wa- would want to come into our house uninvited with him. <laughs> uh, but he's not a vicious dog. He's not an aggressive dog in that sense. But he doesn't like other animals or other dogs. Um. But I think that's one of the things, too, and, and I'd, I'd like your perspective on that, about uh, the way in which you have, now this may sound strange, the way, the way in which either A, you have trained Rio, or B, in the way in which Rio has trained you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a two-way street. Um, we've learned a lot from each other. Um, there's certain rules, you know, certain things that you try to like not let them do certain things like okay let's not let you go on the couch you're going to be the first dog that's not going to be allowed to go on the couch and then within like a week he's up on the couch <laughs> it's like <and> that's, <laughs> that, that's his thing he's you know and and that's fine um you know we you know we'll cover the couch with with a little blanket and you know before people come over then you know wash the blanket and so forth mm-hmm. and and that's fine but he you know, he teaches me things. Um, they have a way about them. They're just so sweet and they just nuzzle on in and, <laughs> and he, he, without a doubt, really most of the time. But the training part he enjoys. And I think most dogs enjoy being um, trained to do things. I think most of that is they just want to interact with it, with their owner, with, with their playmate. Um, so when you take them outside, they're just thrilled to be with you. And if you teach them different things uh, and they realize that they've got it, that they understand what you want them to do, it's amazing because it looks like a light bulb has gone on. Um, I teach Rio different tricks. And one of my favorite things that I've learned from is actually from an online training course. It, it's called Mimicry. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, tell, I tell Rio, watch me, and I do something. And at first, I'll have to work on it a little bit. But what I do is I say, watch me, I do something, like I'll spin in a circle, or I'll sit down, or I'll bow down. And then I'll say, do this. And he looks at me, and I could see that light bulb go on, and he'll actually do that. And it's so great to do something like that in the nursing home because people can't believe <laughs> believe what they see. Yeah. When I say do do this, I sit down, and then all of a sudden Rio sits down like uh, you know ten seconds later. It's really a different way of training, but they're smart, and it just takes patience and a very positive training environment, and good, often good treats. Um, oh yeah! Oh <laughs> my God! Yes. <laughs> Treats, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, that is uh, that is one of those things that uh, you know we uh, we we have to keep a good supply on hand, and it's just really interesting uh, the fact that he he has two things that he tells us. Uh, number one, he we have on on the uh, on the door frame of the front and the back door 
and he only deals with the back the back door because that's where we let him out to to do his business or in his case he needs to go out check the yard to make sure it's safe make sure that it's clear that there's nothing he's he's a protector and he's he's uh you know a watchdog in that sense okay so we have on a chain now this is the way it was when we moved in there's a chain that's bolted to the door frame on the inside and at the end of that chain is a big ring which you would use sort of like those chains that you put in the slot to secure the door from the inside and then you can open it a little bit. Okay. He walks over and he noses the chain or the ring which bangs up against the doorknob to let us know, hey, I want to go outside. <sighs> okay. Now, we don't let him outside every single time because he was just out five minutes ago. What does he need to do now? You know? So then we will say to him, Angus, no, come lie down. And then he will walk over and he will jump up on the bed and lie down. Sometimes that takes two or three times. But he also loves, we have a fireplace in the middle of the bed of the living room. It's one of these upside down cone shaped fireplaces. He will circle that two, three, four times sometimes before he jumps up on the bed. And I always know the time he's going to do it because I can tell the cadence in his step is just a little bit faster. Just a little bit. And then he jumps up on the bed and lies down. And sometimes he will be so exasperated with us, he'll, put, he'll let out a long groan. <laughs> These animals in our lives, Joni, they... Uh, of, of um, oh, I want to say on a scale of one to ten, but I'm going to forget that and just ask you to describe your level of importance, the, the level of importance of animals, of Rio, of any other animal in your life. Um, what would your life be like without an animal? I think it would be a lot more boring (laughs) in a lot of ways. Um, Nowadays, I mean, with the negativity and everything that's out there, it would be, it would be very different. Um, Rio brings such joy. And like I said, keeps me in the moment, Um, keeps me calmer, keeps me full of love, that unconditional love that's always there. And for a while he was keeping me like so busy with all the shows and the trialing. I, I, scratched on my calendar, um, scratched off my name and I put Rio's calendar because he was taking me everywhere. (laughs) Um, he, uh, like you started to say on a scale from one to 10, he's really like a hundred or a thousand. He's, he's, he's the best. We'll take it. We'll take it. Um, you know, it's interesting too, uh, how, um, people react sometimes. Now I, 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 it's hard. uh, Well, Rio is a pretty good sized dog. You know, he's probably about. He this. is. He's. Yeah. He's sixty-five pounds. He looks like he weighs more. He's all fur, but he weighs sixty-five. <laughs> well, uh, when people see Angus, uh, as a matter of fact, I've had some people who won't come near him because of their fear, and of course, we don't. We, you know, we understand. That's just you know the way that they are, and that's okay. Not everybody is uh, gonna you know warm up to him, uh, and we understand that. Um, and I remember, this is kind of interesting for me. Uh, I grew up in, as a kid, um, I delivered newspapers in the morning. 
I delivered the, the Arizona Republic in the morning. And every time I would go by this one stretch on a block, I got these two big black dogs chasing me. Now, they, are, they were actually smaller than Angus, but, boy, they were fast. <sighs> and so I started carrying a bottle of water with me. In order to uh, ward them off, I was told that that would that would distract them, as it were. And um, yet here I am. I, I I own, if you will, or I don't know, maybe Angus owns us. Um, uh, this hundred and twenty, fifteen to twenty pound um, dog. This this is like a horse, you know, small horse. And I have to tell you that we had one experience. I won't go into the details, but where he. He grabbed onto my arm with his mouth and I didn't pull away. Now, it hurt. I'm not saying it didn't hurt, but I knew why he was doing it. And I knew that he was upset. He was not a happy camper and that's the reason he did it. So that's why I didn't pull away. And I didn't get angry with him either. What about that aspect of our relationship to our animals? in terms of our reaction, if you will, or action or reaction to them. Um, do you have people in your life who have pets and sometimes they find it a little bit of a struggle and you, do you, do you maybe counsel them a little bit? There are people, yeah, family and, and friends um, that have dogs. Um, I try not to counsel too much because everybody, you know, thinks that they have their own, the, the, the best dog that anybody has and that they know exactly how to handle them. But I'll do my little subtle hints and so forth. Um, but it's true. It's um, important to have great communication with your dog. And a lot of people are not as intimate uh, in, in, in such an intimate relationship with their dogs as I feel that, you know, me and a lot of other people yourself included, where you understand your dog. And like you just said, your dog did what he did. He put his mouth on you for a reason. And you understand that someone else would not understand that. And the dog uh, might have not been very happy after something, you know, after that incident. But I think the more that people are in tune to their dogs, and there are a lot of good resources out there, um, reading wise on the internet and in books, about positive training and communicating with your dogs in, in positive ways. The more training that you do give them, the better relationship you should have with your, your pet, um, the positive training, and, and make life fun for them. They're mm -hmm. here for a short time, and they're here really um, oftentimes to, to make us happy. Like you mentioned, they, they were sent here um, specifically, that specific dog for you for a specific reason, maybe to teach you something or... Um, take you on a journey. So to get the most out of that relationship, learn about your pet, communicate as best you can, do some fun things every day with them. Even if you don't have a lot of time, it's, it's well worth it to yeah. do so. Uh, um, with training, um, I've done some of my best training just for like two or three minutes in the morning. I took Rio for obedience training classes, and he's not really so food driven when he's in training classes he'd rather flirt with the girls and um <laughs> you know play with, yeah play with the boys and here i am with homemade cooked um, organic chicken livers or something and he <laughs> just puts his nose up at it when other dogs would like devour it yeah. and my instructors don't understand that they're like you just don't have the right treats and they pull out something and rio puts his nose up at that too um 
yeah, so, you know, the training, the training is important. I gave up on some of the in-person hour-long classes and I for obedience, and I just did like two minutes in the morning at home where he would focus on his organic chicken liver. <laughs> and I would get so much out of those two minutes. I would do something with him like two or three times, and and he got it. He just got it. And then when we went to the trials, he would just, just do it. So you need to work with your dog, learn what's best for them. Not every dog is, you know, fits into a certain cookie, cookie cutter mold, so to speak. Um, Just like people, they're all different. They have different personalities and learn what your dog likes and doesn't like. Rio doesn't like certain things. So I didn't force him to do it. It's um, he doesn't like heights. He's afraid of heights. So am I, maybe he got that from me. So I can't trial in agility sports, but that's okay. You know, he's great with other things and he does the doggy dancing and he does, um, you know, obedience rally with me and other things. So that works. You know, some people have gotten rid of dogs, you know, found a different home for them just because they didn't do a certain sport. And, you know, that's their choice. But, it, you know, if you're there for the relationship, you know, work with your dog. They're they're like little people in many ways. Yeah, they are. And, and I know that everybody, I mean, whether you're, you know, as for example, I, we have picked up a few things, for example, from season Malone, you know, the dog whisperer, uh, some of the stuff yes. was really good. You know, uh, we also have a local gal here. I have to give credit to, we actually took Angus to her, um, not too long ago, just to get some insight on how to train him in terms of, um, coming to us when we call and, um, she, so, uh, her name is Wincy. And a lot of people here in Santa Barbara know who she is. And uh, everybody has their own style, their own way of doing things. But I've never come across anybody who uses anything other than either gentle or gentle sternness, okay, to um, give the dog the direction. Because that's, I go back to what I said earlier about how I've got to figure out why he behaves the way he does. I don't want to correct the behavior. I want to direct it. Right? Yes. There's a big difference between that. You you know, correcting it, you're going to hit the dog on the nose with a newspaper. (laughs) I mean, not really, but that's that as opposed to saying, you know, no, do this. By the way, the other thing that he wants when he rings that uh, that ring on the door frame is cookies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, it's probably ringing all the time, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, not not as much as you think, but nonetheless. And then there are times when he'll just stand there. And so we got to stand up and say, OK, what do you want? You need to go potty. That's first thing. And, and if he doesn't go for the door, it's I want a cookie. So what I do is we buy these uh, small, well, medium size uh, uh, dog treats. They're bone shaped. And I make what I call and I say, here, here's a cookie sandwich. So I put two of them together and he takes them in his mouth. The most gentle receiver of anything in his mouth. I have never known a dog that size to be that gentle. I don't have to worry about losing a finger. He doesn't snap at it quickly and run off. It's just the gentlest thing I have ever experienced in such a large animal. And that, to me, is so cool. I take it that that I will bet that uh, Rio is the same way. Rio is gentle, too. Yeah. 
That is very cool. I I uh, I applaud you for not only writing the book, which in one sense isn't finished because there's still a lot of life left in the boy. And uh, he's still there for you and, and, and uh, uh, dancing with you, which is very exciting. And we encourage people to dance with the two of you at your website. Uh, now, you, you have another website, or actually you have a website where people can find out more about you and, and of course, Rio, A Love Story, How My Dog Saved My Life. And that website is? Joan, J-O-A-N, and A-N-D, Rio, R-I-O, dot com. Joan and Rio.com. We will be linking to that website as well so that people can get more inf- more information uh, about you and Rio. And what would you recommend, if I may, uh, what would you recommend for someone who is looking to... Uh, adopt, if you will, or who, who is looking to um, bring an animal into their lives? I would recommend before they go out shopping, um, you know, at, at going to a rescue. Hopefully that's where they're going. Or if, you know, they do choose to go for a purebred. Um, regardless, I would recommend that they go on to websites and or get some dog books. There are many fine resources that will outline the many, many types of breeds that there are and kind of prioritize what you're looking for. Make a list of what you want in a dog and what you definitely don't want in a dog. Um, For example, some people just, they can only have a little dog where they live in an apartment or wherever. It has to be a dog under 20 pounds. other people may need a larger dog. They want protection. Um, mm. Some dogs will tolerate animals in your yard. Other dogs will not tolerate anything in your yard. <laughs> it won't look the same again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's there's different things. Fr- friendly dogs. I mean, do you want to take the dog to visit people? Do you have children? Some dogs are good with all children, and you could feel more comfortable about that breed than others. Um, it's good to make that checklist and try to get an idea of which breeds would fit into that. There's also events that I find are very helpful to people called Meet the Breeds, like the American Kennel Club has a Meet the Breeds event. They have it in New York City, they have in Florida, and I think probably throughout the country at different times, different different events are held, and also probably by different different groups as well. But that will give you an idea of what the dogs actually look like, how big they really are. You can get an idea as to their personalities, what that could be, even though, of course, each dog is it can be different, even though they're the same breed. Um, and also, um, you know, get an idea of what you're looking for. And I highly do recommend that people go to the rescues. There's so many beautiful dogs out there um, that need a home and would love to live. <laughs> Quite frankly, mm-hmm. they want they want to live, and, and, and it would be a shame if they don't. Um, we rescued, um, I have a German Shepherd, Romeo, that I found on Pet Finders from down south. And people love dogs so much that somebody from a pier went down south in a van and took a, 10 dogs brought them up and they brought Romeo up too. Um, so that saved us, you know, at the time, a, a journey 
getting him. But there's so many beautiful rescue dogs, and they appreciate that you take them in. They know oftentimes that you've given them a, a second chance on life, yeah. um, which is really beautiful. Um, you know, I would I would say you know visit the dog a couple times let them know that you're interested in it if you're going to a breeder you know check check out the breed ask lots of questions Uh, make sure it's the right fit for you and when you get the dog don't you know get frustrated after a week or two Uh, puppies and sometimes older dogs they need to be housebroken still or they're finding it hard to adjust to to your house they have some history sometimes that we don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so work with them and, you know, make sure, you know, give them the best chance that, that you can. Sometimes I hear stories of where somebody rescued a dog and they had him for two weeks and they said, oh, I can't take it anymore. You know, but the dog was adjusting and trying to find where he fit in this big family. Um, you need to give them a chance too. how would you feel if, if, you know, you were uprooted and sent somewhere into a different family, it might, not go over too well. Um, so do your homework and, um, put some time into it. This is somebody that you're going to be spending a good part of your life with and you want to make sure you make the right choice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and yet at the same time, you know, we have to acknowledge too, that it isn't as much our choice as it is the dogs. I mean, yes, I know what you're talking about in terms of selecting the, say the type, the breed, you know, then the temperament and so forth. But I think that it's still also true that um, the dog that is for you is going to find you, uh, whether you like it or not sometimes, you know, and it just, it just fits. How do you feel about a lot of these new dog movies that are coming out? Uh, Especially the one where it traces, uh, it, it follows this one dog through lifetimes. I find them, I mean, I love dog movies. I find them all creative and um, I love seeing the dogs out there. Um, and hopefully people will, you know, go out and rescue a dog and, you know, fall in love with a dog as I have with, you know, my dog and rescues. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see, I personally don't go to every dog movie that's out there, I confess. It's, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> well, a lot it's, of them. you know, the one. I was yeah, going to say a lot of them the are on demand die. now too, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, where the dogs die and things like that. It's like I can't, that's, I that's can't, hard. you know. <laughs> that's hard. Yes. Yeah. 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 And someday, hopefully, Rhea will make the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I haven't seen Old Yeller yet, so you know, uh, I, I prefer these uh, uplifting uh, stories uh, where uh, the 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 uh, essence, if you will, of the dog travels from one dog body to the next and ends up returning to its original owner, uh, going back decades. And I just, I was like, wow, you talk about, uh, a GPS system. That's a, that's a, a multidimensional GPS system. I just thought that was so, so cool. Uh, that one particular film, I think it was a dog's it's life. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting when, you know, some people believe many people, many religions believe in reincarnation. So, mm. you know, who's to say? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Joni Dark Shepherd, I thank you so much, so much for joining us here on the program and sharing your story and Rio's story. And there's so much more we could talk about. I'm going to encourage people to go to joanandrio.com. That's joanandrio.com, J-O-N-A-N-D-R-I-O.com. 
Rio, a love story, how my dog saved my life. And I would bet you that many, many people would probably be able to uh, write their own love story as well about uh, their pet. I know that with uh, uh, with my dog, uh, Makushla, uh, she was she was a great caregiver. And in the last 14 months of her life, we became her caregiver. And that was initially a very frustrating experience. But as we began to grow in it, as it went on, uh, it was... Uh, it was it was still quite an honor to be able to say, look, you have you have given so much um, over the uh, a decade or more. I think she was 16 when she passed. And now it's time for us to give back to you and you just sit back and relax. And, um, you know, and we will when you say when we will let you go, you know, we will facilitate your departure. Um I just found it interesting, too, how an animal finds the strength sometimes. You know, you, you're around them and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh, they're so weak. And then you turn around and they've just done something that <clears throat> she didn't have the use of her hind legs for the last 14 months. And yet when we came home from work one day, she was out in the middle of the yard. And I had a space set up for her in a very protected space under a picnic table that was then under a big structure that was covered with uh, pads and food and water for her. And it's like, where'd she go? And you look out in the yard and there she's all the way out in the middle of the yard. It's like, what? <laughs> and so they they astound you at every turn, uh, regardless of what phase of life they're in and uh, I thank you for sharing your story of Rio as well and your story, your personal story as well. And we look forward to uh, to talking with you again in the near future. Have you got any any more? Uh, are you going to uh, uh, publish an addendum to this or a volume two? <laughs> I have that. I've had that request already. You know, folks have pointed out that I have had a lot more things happen in my life since since I stopped writing this one and that I should write a, a sequel to it and Folks have asked for a children's book, a children's version as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm game. Well, wonderful. I'm well, if, if you and Rio, and I would venture to, he travels with you quite a bit as well. If you ever find yourself out here on the West Coast, we'd love to have the two of you in studio to uh, talk more about this. Awesome. Awesome. I'll have to make plans for that. There you go. <laughs> That'd be fun. Especially, especially nice during the winter. you. <laughs> Before I let you go, uh, I have three final questions for you, but I want to remind our listeners uh, that uh, this program in its entirety is available on the podcast, and you're going to want to go to SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, we are on Player FM and Blueberry and a bunch of others as well. And as of this program, over 13,000 listens. I am just in less in just a little over two years. We started podcasting in January of 2018. 13,000 plus. Uh, that's exciting to me to uh, to give you that number. So we encourage you to listen to the entire interview on the podcast. Go to uh, Joni's website, joanandrio.com. 
And uh, we encourage you to do what you can uh, through the PayPal and Patreon accounts as well. Uh, they are It's greatly appreciated. Uh, Joni, before we let you go, uh, the first of three questions that I have for you that I ask all my guests, and you may have addressed these uh, before uh, during the interview, but I'm going to like to ask them directly. The first one is, who is Joni Dark Shepherd? I am an environmentalist um, by career. I'm, I work in the field. Um, and try to promote saving biodiversity and other environmental things. But I am such a dog lover. Dogs have taken over my life. <laughs> and, um, you know, with writing this book and hanging out with Rio. Um, yeah, he's, he's number one. Mm. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I've been asking myself that question. Um, through this process, you know, I, I had to write the book. That was something I felt that I've been given as an assignment by someone, <laughs> some power bigger than me. Um, and now that it's written, I've, I've been asking myself, what is my mission? What is my purpose at this point? And I think it is to um, talk about the book. And there's so many beautiful issues that I've raised. I, I talk about family, family commitments, um, the time that people spend together and how everybody should enjoy every moment together that they can and be nice. Um, it's so easy in today's world with all the negativity and everything that's out there around us on the media and so forth to get caught up in that and to, you know, have negative situations occur. I, I try to instill like people live in the moment, enjoy every moment that you have, because you don't know how many moments you have left as well, or mm. the people that you're with may, are, are not going to be here forever either. So that's so important. It's um, enjoy life to the fullest. It's all about love. It's not hate. It's about love. It's not about fear. Love can overcome so many things. Absolutely. And finally, what is your life's purpose? That's what I'm finding out. And I hope 2020 gives me that clear vision <laughs> as to, as to everything. Um, I do think it has to be to take this book on the road and, and share a lot of the loving statements and visions and things that are included in it, um, about family, about, you know, dogs, people who have, um, some depression, some sadness in their life, I think, can benefit greatly by getting a dog. Um, that Dogs can change your life. They just peer into your eyes and make you fall in love with them. <laughs> and, and life will never be the same. Absolutely. Well, uh, I thank you again, Joni, for joining us here on the program and for sharing an uh, extraordinary story. And I also thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until next time, love to lull.